0: Welcome to the ARC Audiobook Club. In this episode, we'll be talking about Rachel Cusk's Outline from 2014. Outline is an intriguing novel in ten conversations. Our narrator Faye is in Athens for a week to teach a creative writing workshop, and we don't know much about her, but we really get to know the people around her. Outline is the first book in the trilogy, followed by Transit and Kudas. And I hadn't heard about this book until people in the bookshop started praising it a while ago. So here we are. And to talk about it is Charlie Casarino. Hiya. Sherry Helberg. Hello. Macon Holt. Hello. And I'm Giovanna Alessandro. But let's recap the book. It consists of 10 chapters uh, that are also like separate stories. Like all of them, I think, are mm. short stories that could just be read separately. And we have our narrator who's called Faye, and she's probably like 40 something and has recently been divorced uh, and moved out of her house. She's a mother of two boys and teaches creative writing. And I think that's all we get to know about her.
1: Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think that's it. I think maybe just,
2: I think she's 50 something, but.
0: 50 something. I
2: think that gets mentioned at some point. I don't know her age. She's divorced recently.
0: She has two kids, lives in England, and is in Athens for the summer, or just like for a week, actually. And so I know I just called this a book in 10 conversations, but it's more like 10 monologues. Uh, People are pouring their hearts out to her wherever she goes. And she's sort of like taking revenge by stripping them of anything that could be just remotely sympathetic (laughs) about them. (laughs) They're really like no one to like, Mm. except maybe a few. But oh, I
2: like I like a
0: couple. You have a favorite, yeah. I, like- I also do, but that's not for his merits as like a sympathetic person.
1: It's <laughs> for the entertainment value. <laughs> yeah.
0: And now, like, she's sort of the filter that we see here everything through because she doesn't say much, but people talk through her. Mm. And one of her like the scope she has is to just become passive. But I also noticed that people start talking to her and then it's sort of her voice taking over. Yeah, uh, t- She ends up telling their story and like, mm-hmm. yeah, she really wants to be passive, but then she also seems really fed up with people. Like, <laughs> I can do this better. I'll take over from here. I'm going to tell this.
1: Yeah, it's almost... It, yeah, that's almost where the lack of charitability comes into it, isn't it? It's um, There's usually something like relatively reasonable direct quotation. And then when she starts summarizing things... Um, it becomes very clear that this person is uh, the subject of her ire in some way. Even when they're like, are sensible friends or like, yeah, like and,
2: Ryan.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but one of them is her friend or sometime, yeah. like at least he's an acquaintance. They've met yeah. before, but she's not very kind to him either.
2: I think it depends what you mean by kind. I think, I mean, in a way, it's another way to put it is that it's a... Mm-hmm non-narrative which is about non-narratives it's about people trying to it's a uh, about a sort of narrator whose exercise in passivity allows her to see past people's narratives of themselves of their lives it's all about people um trying to tell a story and and how that breaks down and their confusion when that happens right
3: Yeah, I really like that, an exercise in passivity. And I wonder whether that exercise in passivity can be perhaps at odds with the extent to which the novel is about the other people, um, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah? But I'd like you to say more about (laughs) that, because that sounds like a fast
3: (laughs) So one thing that really struck me about the book is the way in which the prose is so homogenous even as it's, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, but even as it, as it moves between, it's really difficult to differentiate and you almost have to go back and check what's direct quotation, what's her summary, um, what, is, what are her interpolations of what's being said. It all flows together in a lot of what the way in which people express themselves, very, very different people in the novel. Sort of has a similar structure. Seems to have a similar structure.
2: Yeah, that's but that's something that they. It's sort of interesting because the, all of these things, I think, anything that we mention, will be somehow addressed by one of the people in the novel. There's, a, there's, for example, uh, with regards to this, there's a conversation or a thought that Faye is having, uh, and it's about translation. It's the back. There's this slight irony of the fact that she's going to Athens to teach some greek people how to write in english and there's a whole sort of thought process that's going on about the strangeness of doing that why why is this happening and at the same time she sees this possibility of maybe it's maybe you can they they can be more free because they are sort of not tied down to that and so there is some th- there is some thinking that's going on but behind that. So I think there is an intentionality. Isn't that the moment that.
1: towards the end when she's talking to the new person who's just arrived? Yeah, exactly. But it's is not that isn't that Anne the new person's idea?
2: Is it uh, honestly? But that's a, that's, th- that's an interesting yeah, yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. This this confirms uh, your point exactly about the fact that you sort of it's about the com in a way it's about the conversation much more than the people perhaps because to some degree what the people actually are is being I don't want to say deconstructed, but I can't think of another word.
3: But th- there's a tension somehow between form and content, to put it in a really um in a very simplistic way. So that the form that the stories are expressed in is somehow hmm. working in some sort of tension with the stories themselves or the people themselves oh. that are that we imagine.
1: But I think I think that actually comes to a sort of a head when you get to that last interaction with Anne because prior to that there's been this thing of I am going to um, uh, interpolate your input and I'm going to structure it and form it and then at the end of it you come out with my reading of this person's input. And what happens with Anne at the end is Anne, despite not being similar to uh, Faye, is describing the same kind of pathology that Faye has experiencing but not identifying in herself that feeling of being uh devoid of uh drive of kind of creativity of, of being uh, an outline of other people's um, effects on you of being something else that other people have filled and that's the kind of the moment where Faye sort of is realizing that she that she that, that she's been doing a thing that's a particular thing up until this point and not realizing like because prior to that she's just like I'm the anthropologist just. Pointing out, you are unfair to your wives. You're also strange, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And, and at the end, it's like, oh, it starts to destabilize a little bit. Except that she still finds the last time to kick the bird, the bird-faced neighbor in the teeth a
2: little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think that what she's, I, I think she's been quite careful here in that what she is criticizing are always the stories, more so, mm. more so than it's it's these are. Not very often. Actual. I don't think she makes. Uh, there are very few judgments on people's character. These are judgments on the stories that people tell about themselves.
0: Yeah, right? and I. Yeah, and I think that starts in the first chapter when she has this Greek neighbor on the plane that starts uh, chatting to her, and there's after their conversation, she's like thinking to herself. She doesn't know if she believes the story. It sort of lacked objectivity. Um, so, and it sort of comes across in the chapters that subjectivity is something bad in storytelling to her like she wants more like uh an objective scope on stuff um and she's also at one point i think it's in chapter four commenting on wuthering heights that the problem there for Catherine and Heathcliff mm. was like their subjectivity um mm. and i was thinking yeah, yeah that leads to all kinds of messy stuff, like, and I think she's also fed up with that, and that comes back to, I think, every time, I have the sense that she's almost talking about her divorce, but she's not. That's also a problem, because at one, uh, she meets the Greek guy again, and, um, I think, they're on the boat, and then she corrects him when he's telling the story of, like, his third wife, and she's saying, there's not one truth, there's only point of view um which and i couldn't really get it because it also seemed like she wanted to be done with that but then Mm. she's also really tapping into that (laughs) point of view thing yeah but i think it's true that she's not judging them it's the way that they're telling the story and i in relation to that i also had the sense of the book being like an expanded chapter or like an expanded version on the chapter of the creative workshops Chapter mm-hmm. of like how to write um, yeah. and what you can write about and how you're going to describe stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: I think that's the moments, like, I think in general, it's true that she's mostly judging the story's constructions. However, I think within those, there are times when she does impugn people's like motivations for telling them certain things. Like, it's usually like one line. And I think it, those are the points where you get the sense of. That thing of like now she's talking about her divorce, now she's talking about herself, now she's talking about something real because it's just like you like one sentence where she says like someone's being self-serving or they're being um, too hard on someone or they're not understanding it from another point of view and they're like so like whenever she's like talking about motivation, it's always very brief. I think that's that's the moments, isn't it?
0: Maybe, but also she doesn't have to, like, the, there's this co-worker called Ryan. She doesn't have to judge him. She's just putting him out there for the <laughs> reader when he's, like, saying about the Greek uh, waiters, like, they're beautiful people, aren't they? Mm. And talking about his wife and children, and he seems like such an asshole. And she's not saying he's an asshole, but she's putting it all there.
3: And it's, it's really funny. Ryan's doing his true self, you know. <laughs> but I wonder if we can think about this idea of judgment or to how we can talk about her motivation. Um, I, I think there's a way that you can see the book as turning people into stories or its characters into stories, mm. um, which I think works really well with this idea that you said that she wants things to be more objective and less subjective. Um, and I think one really interesting thing that the novel does is it draws attention to that relationship between text and character, text and personhood in a way. Um, how do we, yeah. Yeah.
2: There is a, I, I've managed to get a quote. So there's, the reason why I'm um, um, a bit more, a, a bit less inclined to talk about judgment from like an ethical or moral standpoint is because it seems to me that when, the, the reason I say that I don't think she's um, necessarily criticizing criticizing, sorry, people's characters is that a lot of the novel is about the question of self in general um so the the degree to which you can criticize another self is problematized by mm-hmm. whether that self exists so many of these uh, there are a few sections in which people are talking there's a great one during the um during one of the workshops that she has in which someone is recounting a story which didn't happen to her. And, but was recounted to her by her sister about a friend of a sis- the sister's friend, <laughs> and the degree to which that story had embedded itself within that person, despite the fact that it didn't concern them in the slightest, and that this person is now so confused mm. by all these stories that she no know, longer knows which ones are hers to the to the degree that you question what even is what even is she. Mm. Um, there's a section here where she's talking um oh yeah she's talking to one another uh writer a Greek writer who's just uh, who's um speaking very um uh enthusiastically and eloquently about the way she's been received in in Poland and so and um Angelique. <laughs> yeah exactly Angeliki. Mm. yeah there's, there are some great characters in here. I mean, whether you like them or not is sort of immaterial because they are, they are really, like, <laughs> interesting. Um, and there's a point when she's actually... She says it very explicitly. I thought the whole idea of a real self might be illusory. You might feel, in other words, mm. as though there was some separate autonomous self within you, but perhaps that self didn't actually exist. And it is so... To some degree, you can think of this exercise in passivity as... Like an experiment if if i don't act if i don't speak that much what remains like what is left i think that's kind of the 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 wager that the novel makes right this is this is what mm. it kind of depends on is anything left uh and what do you what do you get when you let go of those things i think it's an open-ended question i don't think it's yeah. necessarily resolved but i think whether you like engage with this or not kind of depends on that question to some degree
1: Mm. yeah and i think it's kind of illustrated against characters who have a very who express a very strong sense of self when they when they speak and i'm thinking like that and that was that kind of also being shown as a as a some as something as a pathology like the neighbor from the plane his (coughs) great tragic life is defining him and it's the the logic by which he constructs his next moves all all the way through and then also uh, there's the 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 publisher friend she meets in the um you know in a bar where they go to meet the the famous um, poet uh, who talks about how whenever she's with a man she always tries to find ways to like break him down and prove how insufficient he is for her and so like her sense of strength like the, the strength of her self definition actually does destroy the possibility of interaction in that in that space as well. Um, yeah. And I just, I wonder, because uh, there is that feeling when you read the book, like there's a kind of, there is that, a certain emptiness that can sometimes make it a little bit hard to to engage with all the way through. Because you, you aren't getting that kind of, um, I guess, because you're getting the, the notion of an objectivity without it being illustrated to be objective. And simultaneously, you're not getting the subjectivity to excuse why it isn't. So it's a, it's a lot of a lot of layers of that,
2: <laughs> and yet written quite straightforwardly. <laughs> yeah, but I think so. I think what's if you are entertained by it, it is often in these these conversations and the tension in them. I would like to introduce some tension to this conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I got the impression some of us, I think, did enjoy it, and I I really want to add the tension in there. I want to know what uh, what the if there are any points of contention, any things that you find problematic or mm. or just, uh, I want criticism, I want tension. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Jerry, yeah, you had a question before that I think we trailed off from, um, of like the relationship between the text, or maybe that was exactly it, but
3: the text and the self. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I criticism potentially of the text, but it's also just the way that it works. So I think it also can be something that's interesting about it, but is I was, I think talking about how the text turns it's potentially by being this dialogue framed as a dialogue, but where one part of that one participant is kind of subtracted or only barely there. Um, it has this effect of, I think turning people or characters into text or into mere text in a way and i think that's what you were talking about making with this emptiness a little bit Mm. that you don't get the feeling of fully fleshed out characters in a way that you would in a different kind of novel that had more description perhaps and less dialogue and
1: well you get yeah you maybe get a clearer sense of how they reflect off the person they're talking to if you know something about the surface that they're reflecting off And other than that she's like a woman in her 50s who's in the kind of academic professions, it's not really a lot to go on, like in that she can hold down conversations, but we don't really know, like, except that she does cast herself as a kind of like grand assessor of stories.
3: Yeah, and I just, I don't know, I found the characters, like the characters are not convincing as characters, I think, to the-
2: what makes a character convincing then? I think that's an inter- I think that's the the question then. What 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 um what is missing in there, do you think?
1: The the thing that slowed me down in the book is like there isn't a feeling of interaction. Mm. And that characters can't exist in that you know, they are if they're if they're just monologuing on a stage, it's not the same as existing as a character. Ooh
3: yeah I mean, like the <laughs> the idea of a character as this sort of core selfhood mm-hmm. um, is something that's been like thrown away repeatedly by literary or in literary criticism for like the last I don't know how many a long time, like fifty years. So I don't mean to sort of say that they're not mm. they're not be- like believable in that way or that I want that sort of person. But it's more that I wonder, yeah, how they're working with, hmm. I need to think about this, I think.
2: <laughs> another, fra- another way to frame that question, I guess, is what, what is lost by presenting them through this conversation? What, what are we missing that makes them? Is it, is it tension? Is it an agency? Is it, a, is it surprise? Are we surprised by anything that we learn about these people? Do, do they seem to, too much like caricatures, for example?
3: I think it's less that they seem like characters than they seem like the same person in a way uh-huh. or that there's something like in a sense, or I guess one idea of character that's uh, a prevalent one is a character is somebody that you can identify with. Mm. It's like, a, it doesn't need to be a fully fleshed out person, but it's something that expresses something that you can kind of put yourself in their shoes in a way and identify with the experience and this Novel, in a sense, is full of those sorts of situations yeah. that you can latch onto and identify with. But okay. what gets like, sort of the block for me is the fact that those people present or articulate themselves in an overwhelmingly similar
2: mm.
3: way. So um, it's about voice, maybe. So, yeah, it's exactly, exactly. And I think the way that they all, all of these characters in advance in a way that, I mean, this seems like a kind of ridiculous thing to say, but like they, I don't like believe <laughs> believe them in a way. Um, so they, I mean, I'm just, they are so reflective about their histories. I was, this is just a line from her neighbor, a direct quote, I was sent to an English boarding school at the age of seven. Yeah. And so this sort of marks the beginning yeah. of a history and this is the way that he thinks of himself and all of the characters articulate these moments that they see as, if not a starting point to the history that mm. is themselves, like, becomes their sense of their self. Yeah. Then uh, there are these sort of key moments yeah. that are, they're too literary.
2: Yeah. So it's, you'd say it's it's not realistic, inverted.
3: But I mean, that seems like yeah. such a bizarre thing to say also, because, like, <laughs> I I mean, I work on, like, all mo- like modernist
1: yeah. literature mm. that
3: has, yeah. you know.
1: But this is also, like, yeah. casting itself as... A pursuit of objectivity and reality in a certain way, but is it? Yeah, that's that's the question. I think yeah. that's
2: that's that's the question.
1: Because it's not casting itself as a massively modernist experimentation.
0: No, I think I had the same objection as you. Of and all, their their reaction to her was always the same. Yeah, of the same way of telling a story, the same mm. way of talking about themselves, and but I also felt there was something. I mean real to that or to me it was like i think everyone has been in both <laughs> ends of that conversation at one mm. point and mm. it was yeah a good picture on that um but the and the men i was it was just it was there were so much men weren't they mm. uh like the greek and the Irish dudes which is <laughs> 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 that's that's so that's, much I was, I was
2: hoping you, have you guys read the rachel Cusk? um and, oh my god I'm not, re- I'm not doing too well today, the Patricia Lockwood review. No. No? Because that's, that's what got me to read this in the first place. And she really, like, that was the thing that she really latched onto. The fact it's... Let me see if I can find a quote from this because it's fantastic. Um, because these books... Because in these books she is very specifically exploiting the public conversations of men, which they consider genial and beneficent, and beneficent, sorry, but which women very often consider burden or an intrusion, it is an inversion of that public spectacle, a man bending a woman's ear. She bends the ear now on the page. In fact, the talkiness of men is something I've always counted on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it as perhaps only someone raised Catholic can love it. <laughs> men are helpless in the face of female listening.
3: Yeah.
0: So is there oh, yeah. thereby like a silent critique also of like this female listening of going like, oh, that's so interesting. You sound very busy. Wow.
1: No, I don't think there is. I think it's really, I think it might be a step below that and just being like a critique of the men speak, speaking. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I do think that that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but I wonder then how we think of the conversations with the female characters in the novel. That's a good point,
2: yeah. That's a really good point. Um,
3: Who she's very critical about. There's this one part which I would love to read when she talks about one of her students. Um, And it's just, it's it's quite brutal. Um,
2: (laughs) But I think she's known for this, right? Because she also wrote memoirs (laughs) Which, were, which caused a lot of furore because she was very, very open about things that <laughs> no one wanted yeah. her to be open
1: about. I think I saw the beginning of this review and it did start with, um, considering how many people say they do not do not care for Rachel Cusk, I'm surprised more reviews don't lead with, and nor do I.
0: <laughs> wow, I had never heard about her until two months ago. <laughs> to, oh, right, yeah. yes, yes. So um,
3: this is just, she's... Um, This is the narrator speaking um, and talking about a woman in her creative writing class. She says, the woman who said this was of a glorious though eccentric appearance somewhere in her fifties with a demolished beauty she bore quite, quite regally. The bones of her face were so impressively structured as to verge on the grotesque, an impression she had chosen to accentuate in a way that struck me as distinctly and intentionally humorous by surrounding her already enormous blue eyes in oceans of exotic blue and green shadow and then drawing, not carefully, around the lids with an even brighter blue. Her sharp cheekbones wore slashes of pink blusher and her mouth, which was unusually fleshy and pouting, was richly and inaccurately slathered in red lipstick. Um, And it goes on.
2: Is that demolishing, (laughs) do you think?
3: And she does that,
0: I think... I've noticed that one of the, she always comments, uh, describes people's faces, Mm -hmm. like the Greek guy and Irish guy and like, yeah, also the women she, uh, and it's not very flattering, but it's also, um, yeah, it's always a little bit, yeah, either too much, too little, but eccentric, I think she mentions a few times, Mm -hmm. uh, also the Greek guy is eccentric and I think um, a woman she meets at the bar is sort of like eccentric and that was also giving me like, that's... That adjective, is, mm. it's the same person, it's the yeah. same conversation.
2: But that one's interesting, because I love that particular character. And the reason I love that particular character is the very first sentence that she says, which is just above the line of you Music, she said in a languorous and dreamlike manner. <laughs> oh, Music yeah. is a betrayer of secrets. It is more treacherous even than dreams, which at least have the virtue of being private.
0: It's
3: like people don't oh say these things. <laughs> no, but it's also really a very
0: so funny much. book. I mean, I was really <laughs> laughing when <laughs> I read this book because yeah,
2: I literally wrote
1: "lol" by that. I did think that's that's like also like a wonderful sort of misquoting of Adorno, which I was so
2: <laughs> happy with. But M- the music yeah. betrays all art. <laughs> she does pick up on kind of ugliness, but. I feel that as as quite sort of admiring. I feel like she kind of likes this
3: person. But but. I think the problem is that it, well, I don't know if it's a problem, but the beauty of the prose here is at the expense of the character being described. And there's at least a tension there.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's, I, I think there's a lot of weight to be placed on that final scene with Anne when she starts talking about how um, uh, after after her mugging, she can no longer write uh, plays anymore uh, because she just started summarizing everything. So why write a very long play about the uh, nuances of jealousy if you can just summarize it with the word jealousy. And I think there's an element that runs through this book where she's summarizing these complex narratives that people tell themselves about themselves, that they tell about their lives into the motions that make it necessary for her to judge the telling of the story. Um, and I think she's realizing through the thing, like I think she's realizing her beautiful expression of someone's ugliness or their or their eccentricity it is telling you something about how almost fragile she is, or like insecure or rattled or. She's like, it's like a defense mechanism that's going on. Like the same way that the, that the playwright at the end is defending herself by not dealing with emotions and just summarizing everything. Um, this whole thing of like, I'm gonna take in all these other people's stories. I don't then have to look at my own story.
0: But you're also saying earlier that she sort of saw a mirror in this woman that she meets in the end. Or... That's, yeah, that's what yeah. I, yeah, that's what I mean. As... I think that works. Oh, well, at least for me, because I read this and I was thinking, this is crisis literature of like some sort. <laughs> Something really terrible has happened. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, what to do with this? But <laughs> where is it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's interesting that you talk about like this. this summing up, because... Another favourite character of mine, because I have several. I, I just think there's lots of actually really good ones in here, um, is the uh, the imp of the perverse in this novel is a 15 year old boy called Georgios, <laughs> who just says the most fantastic stuff all the time, but and and he's he's this little kid in uh, in this uh, workshop, who is. Let's say not very well acquainted with social mores in terms of like how you should interact with people and, and talk about these things, and a lot. But a lot of the time, it feels so. Sometimes it's just like he says funny things, but other times it feels like he is there to provide this other criticism, and the criticism again is kind of of the idea of narrative itself. Mm. Because, for example, it says um, the long-haired boy Giorgio, as my diagram now told me, uh, he said. That a story might merely be a series of events we believe ourselves to involve to be involved in, but on which we have absolutely no influence at all. So, like he's he's there to be like, okay, those things happened. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like, and again, rather than summing up, she's kind of breaking those down. Like she's saying, okay, you've said this. Now, what does that actually mean? Like this, Mm. this is if if something is, for example, let's use the Mm. example of this. uh, you write a play about jealousy, you could just say jealousy. Mm. And then Georgios would go, OK, well, what is jealousy? Like, <laughs> what, what even is that? What's, what's the point? <laughs> and there's another moment of brilliance, which I think, again, is appertaining to this, um, which is later on in the second of the two classes that he has. Um, and it's still about Giorgio. So it's, it's Giorgio, not Georgios. <laughs> but he sensed that any system of representation could be undone simply by the violation of its own rules. <laughs> yeah and he's just saying like you know he's just the, he is the the person he's the little guy just burning everyone up. he's just like yeah man that's just like your opinion <laughs> but I think he's like he's like the childish version of kind of what she's doing to some degree mm. it is kind of dismantling those things and yeah. figuring out yeah. what's left yeah and that might and be it is, there is a cruelty to it I think that's without a doubt
1: and that might be the layer at which like Gio, you were saying about that layer of actually critiquing the, the listening woman in a certain way. Like, not just the man who is helpless and must talk, but then actually going, why am I listening? I'm gaining power by listening in a certain way. I am uh, I can now deconstruct this this set of signs. I think it's also interesting about first class that she teaches when they go around the room and they get the introductions and they get to that last girl who had not spoken for the entire thing. And she just says, you're an awful writing teacher. I'm going <laughs> to go get a refund. Um, and... <laughs>
2: I'm trying to find it because I think it's 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 more um, it's more substantial than that. So while you're finding it, let's yeah. sum, let's summarize what she does in that class because that class mm. is basically all she's doing is asking people what they noticed on the way to that class that morning, right? Mm. Yeah. And a lot of actually a lot of this is kind of about her noticing small things. Have you found? The... Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's,
1: yeah. So it's on the uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, each member of the group had now spoken except for one woman whose name my chart on my chart was Cassandra and whose expression. I had watched grow sourer and sourer as the hour passed, who had made her displeasure known by a series of increasingly indiscreet groans and sighs, and who now sat with her arms implacably folded, shaking her head. I asked her whether she had anything before, before we concluded to contribute, and she said she did not. She had obviously been mistaken. She said she'd been told this class was about learning how to write something, that, as far as she was aware, involved using your imagination. She didn't know what I thought I'd, been, I'd achieved here, and she wasn't all that interested in finding out. At least Ryan, she said, had taught them something. She would be asking the organizers to refund her money and would make damn sure they got her feedback. (laughs) I don't know who you are, she said to me, getting to her feet and collecting her things, but I'll tell you one thing, you're a lousy teacher.
2: And she's called Cassandra, by the way, which I feel like has to be somehow significant. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the one moment where, like, there's... I think there's a... maybe there's a few
1: instances in in the in the in the book where you get that impression of her existing properly so like when um, the her neighbor from the plane attempts to kiss her um and then this moment where like you realize she's a teacher to these people um there might be a third one which would be great for this list but I can't think of it
2: uh um I'm trying to think of a third one yeah, no, sorry.
1: <laughs> but like, but it, it, and it's in these moments that like you, that I feel like the kind of fragility of the character like really reverberates. Um, maybe like the moment where like earlier in the class when she gets a phone call from her son who's lost in the streets of London. Um, do you like think bit...
3: she's more fragile than the other characters? Yeah. And how do you think that is? She, lacked, across?
1: she lacks a story. <laughs>
2: Is but I think that's <laughs> what makes some more powerful than the others.
1: Oh no, the, 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 you might be less objective, but you've got like structures to hang
2: on to. Isn't the whole point of that? Isn't are <laughs> are we reading a lot about people who are destroyed when the structures by the structures they're holding on to, though?
0: She's also yeah, saying something but, about that at one point, right? She's mm. no longer part of the structure, and that's mm. what she's been doing up until now.
2: Which is not without its risks. It now means yeah. that she has to get on a boat with some weird guy <laughs> mm. who, by the way, we never know his... Do we know his name? No. No, I don't no think he's, we just ever out, he's just called The Neighbor. He's just The Neighbor. And even her, I, I made a note of it, her name appears on page 211 on my yeah. copy for the first mm. time. Yeah, <clears throat> But yeah, it's an yeah. interesting... It. And I read
0: somewhere that Faye means the destruction of fate, something like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's also just kind of, to be fair, it's a bit sort of f- yeah. flighty, yeah. ethereal, yeah. which I think kind of makes sense there as well.
1: I think maybe it is then somewhat neither one or the other with structures, because on the one hand, it's like building a scaffold for, for yourself. On the other hand, it actually could also be a bunk bed.
2: Um,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like... It's trouble about bunk beds as you fall out of them and then it really hurts.
1: Wait, is the
3: bunk bed yourself? It's the narrative.
2: The self. Oh, it's
1: the narrative. Yeah, okay. narrative, okay. Which, again, which, is, what, which, what, which is the self, really, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, because obviously, like, there's, there's, like a, there's like a massive, like, kind of throbbing normativity that runs through lots of the characters and their self-evaluation. Um, and <laughs> throbbing? Throb, I'm going to stick with that. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah because I think it well because it's it, it's it's so intense that they feel like they've failed to live to something mm. it, I think it's interesting that again Anne and also the um the Greek guy who she who's not the um not the neighbor but the other guy
2: um the publisher yeah
1: they both have a similar they have a very similar sort of divorce story where they both call up their ex at a moment of crisis and get this kind of cold response and realize they're not who they were anymore and so, there's that moment of just realizing you've fallen through some kind of crack mm. um, and you, are, you aren't yourself anymore. And that gets echoed all the way. I mean, basically, why, why do we spend so much time with the neighbor? That's a thing which, because in the end, he kind of is unceremoniously. Well, that's a good question.
0: In the same way as he started, like mispronouncing a word. Yeah. And then she's there. I think you meant this at the same time. At the same time, when she's saying like, "Oh, I think it's very liberating not talking your own language and blah blah blah," but you will be fucking there to correct me. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: that's the very last thing she ever says to him. Is yeah. she corrects? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, like she solicitude. does in the beginning. Yes, solitude, solicitude, solitude. solitude what, yeah. What does, what does solicitude mean? You can be a
0: solicitor. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I don't speak. Yeah, 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 i no.
2: mm. I think uh, I think that's a super good question to which I can't think of a, uh, a good reason. Is maybe yeah.
3: I mean, he's a kind of he functions as a kind of anchor, mm. especially like on the plane flying over. It's something or someone that she's able to kind of like latch. Do what the narrative mm. is able to latch to. Um, mm. And then he becomes this reappearing figure who I guess becomes less ne- necessary as yeah. she meets. It's almost as if she people. wouldn't have
1: made it to Greece if she hadn't found him.
3: Yeah.
1: Like <laughs> she wouldn't have existed on the, on the journey.
2: Well, it's and- the one thing that she's kind of embroiled in. Everything else mm-hmm. is, is sort of like she's. She started off fairly passively, but she's actually. Mm-hmm. It gets to the point where she it's actually hard to get away from it, right?
1: And then similarly, Anne, when she comes over, she was also embroiled in a long conversation with a um, international yeah. man of mystery who had a fascinating life story and spoke several languages and also had a strained relationship. So
2: And also didn't ask her any and questions.
1: And also solicitude <laughs> means care or concern for someone or something. Oh, so mm-hmm. it's literally the opposite of how he spent the day.
0: But as to why he's there, it almost... I mean, the building of their novel is almost like a sonata. Of, like, mm. we have the exposition here, mm. which is him, and like, we're introduced to like the themes, mm. and then we yeah, have, I mean, yeah. then we are like playing them, mm. and then in the end we're tying it together as mm. well, mm. which is with him.
3: <laughs> it relates too neatly back to the apartment she's staying in, which has the massive collection of music.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, see, true. this
3: is what gets to me about the book. It's, <laughs> it's so too neat. Well it's, it's so well constructed. It's very well constructed. <laughs> <laughs> And,
0: yeah, it can't also... can you
1: hold it together for three volumes?
0: <laughs> but also there's, like, no effect in there. It's so in control that it's almost creepy. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, like, clinically stripped mm. of anything, like, pleasant or nice or anyone who's happy and, <laughs> like, has nice emotions, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things have, nice things happen to people, but they are evanescent, right? they tend to then they don't that's the thing things oh, yeah. happen and then they don't as i said before ryan's living his best self oh yeah <laughs> I, I really
0: like ryan i hope he gets his own book <laughs> like ryan book goes two. to i don't know okay. hollywood i don't care where ryan goes really
1: ah <laughs> oh, oh, the people here beautiful people <laughs>
0: Does anyone have any other points they want to talk about?
2: <laughs> Can I... I'm gonna, in that case, just to, like, try and... I'm gonna use lovely Patricia again to try and kickstart <laughs> kick start something else. This is, this is the way that Patricia Lockwood um, refers to Rachel Cusk. Um, she says, It's a dissociate age, and she is a dissociate artist. She's like nothing so much as that little high YouTube f- child fresh from the dentist, Strapped into a car, going he knows. <laughs> strapped into a car, going he knows not where, further and further from his own will. Where is real life to be found? Is this it? Yeah. The, to some degree, this is. It's also wondering, kind of, where is reality? Where is life? Because mm. uh, it's it's uh, it's also sort of kind of a book of mundanity. You know, just someone goes on a trip and is listening to some people and notices things yeah. on on a very, like, basic level. I think actually noticing things is something that she does a lot of, and it's interesting, mm. like, the, the, there is this kind of, she notices the hair on people. Yeah. She notices, there's a lovely bit right at the beginning where she notices uh, the sound. Let's see if I can find it. But she can note, She notices that the sound that the, um, ah, yes. No, sorry, i fucked up. No, she but anyway, at some point she notices the the sound that the tights of the air the like air hostesses make, the Mm -hmm. the, like stewards make.
3: And that's what she asks her students to do as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's also kind of about that. She then realizes when Cassandra says to it, that's not writing what you're doing. You're just that's not you're not a good teacher of writing because you're just telling me to notice stuff and that's not that's not what writing is.
0: And that was what I meant with the whole (laughs) book being an expansion of the creative writing that she teaches, that is yeah. what she does throughout the book.
2: She notices things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it's the production of that
1: tension, that one that goes like, what even is, what, what is that? Like, why? That's when the writing actually comes in.
2: Yeah, it's like you've not, you notice, you go through life and you either notice things or you narrativize things and you, or you sort of alternate between those two things. Yeah. And what, and what comes out of that?
1: That's an interesting, interesting dialectic to have. Noticing versus narrativizing.
3: I don't. I, I don't think you can. I don't think they're that separable.
1: No, but they're not. The I mean, because
3: <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, notice. You can't notice without narrativizing it, I would say.
1: It's a difference in repetition. Would
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, but that—that's That would yeah. that, be the thing. Is like you think you just like you think to yourself. I've just um, <clears throat> noticed a fact of the world. But as you're doing that, as you're saying
2: what you have done, what you have deemed to be important, you create a narrative where that's important. So it- not necessarily though, because a lot of the things you notice is un- unimportant. Noticing noticing a sound that um, that like someone's tights make as they walk. Put that in a narrative for me. Where is it? I think like those those can also be read as moments of of sort of tension or of actual like. Um, well, I mean, no. It, it also where the, where
1: it also tells you the narrator's got like a smallest... heightened sensitivity, doesn't it? It tells You're you art- how how attuned she is to the world.
3: <laughs> I think it 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 points to the craft that goes into it as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that it seems very unlikely that any of the people she's talking to will. I don't know. Um, maybe I don't know. I'll never mind. <laughs> but what I
2: mean is, there is some friction. Like, yes, you can you can then use it to say that she notices things. Therefore, but uh, what, what I don't it? know whether that goes into a personality. It's it's more towards yeah. I mean, you could say this is part of the her project. Of, yeah. And the question is, how does it relate to the project? I think it relates to the project in terms mm-hmm. of these being moments of. Frustration, moments of tension, moments of mm. friction between mm. uh, the, character the outside, the outside or, yeah, and the narrative. Yeah,
1: I think that's fair, but I would just—it's we need to like—it's always the presentation of noticing.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: And mm. so that that will always be serving a narrative purpose.
2: Well, I mean, if it didn't. No.
1: <laughs> the book would be very incoherent series of lists of things that could be
2: noticed. So, yeah, He's, I mean, these, there, s- these are still yarn. examples of noticing, but they're doing. Yeah. But so I wonder, something.
3: does the book contain a kind of hierarchy of noticing, or at least of the presentation of noticing? Yeah. If that's what you've just yes, said. Yes, yes.
2: That's the thing. Yes. So, what what is the hierarchy then?
3: So, I mean, the novel is full of these beautiful metaphors uh, my favorite one is when she refers to or maybe I guess it's it's not her but it's the uh, now I can't remember whether maybe you guys remember whether it's a direct quote or for her neighbor talking about his former in-laws mm. refers to them as armchairs <laughs> and now I can't remember whether this is because they were just like so pleasant yeah, yeah, yeah. but because also empty just, Yeah, they um, just which was just it was so beautiful <laughs> I now can't remember whether this is her or her or the neighbor who comes up with this. Mm. But I'm just thinking about moments like that compared to the way that the uh, writer that she meets, um, who is has gotten all of this fame and is very full of herself for having written this amazing feminist novel, which is presented as just being basically a transcription of her own life, except the main character is a painter instead of a writer <laughs> um but i mean the book is sort of making fun in a way or mm. condescending this woman's way of writing or mm. noticing um which i think is just an interesting tension whether there might be a higher yeah
2: but i mean that woman i don't think she interestingly in in that woman's sort of because what happens is she gets quite into the fact that she's quite popular in Poland, but it does allow her to then <laughs> see things, and the things that she notices yeah. are interesting things that propel that conversation forward. I don't think they're discounted, right? Just because mm. they are self-serving, just because the situation is self-serving, does not yeah. necessarily mean that we are discounting what that character actually notices to some degree, right?
3: But she is presented as a yeah, yeah less. Lesser writer, in a way, than our narrator. Do you think
2: so? But we don't know anything about what our narrator is like as a writer.
3: Well, we're reading the
2: the book. Yeah. But no, but this is by Rachel. She's called Faye. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we don't know yeah. anything about her actual writing except the, except the obvious the criticism that the publisher makes, which is the fact that she's transposed it from a writer into a painter and he says that's ridiculous because, like, a painter would never behave like that,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> which I think is a really, really good, interesting. And the thing the painter flawed, wouldn't do
0: was making.
2: A, I said a, a painter wouldn't be
0: cook for the kids and make them uh, food to take to school or yeah, something yeah. like that? Yeah. A painter would never do that. I thought like <laughs> so Painters would definitely do that. That's like, what?
1: <laughs> like painters are more kind to do that than like. Carlo Buknowska or someone. Um but I, was, but I think yeah, also like in the in the hierarchy of, of noticing, it's like she also is is kind of placing a, a thing of like noticing is somewhat superior to again interpreting. So when you have like the 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 neighbor from the plane noticing that his wife seemed to deliberately wake him from a nap so she could catch him in that moment of unawareness and that it like, you know, tacitly admit to the affair that he's having by not like him noticing that she has no tr- no notion that it could be a noticing. It has to be an interpretation where he is self servingly getting himself out of guilt for a relationship.
2: But it's two things at once, right? In fact, he's yeah, noticed yeah. something that is yeah, but is think, real. But he's chosen to neglect the other part
1: of it. But I think the the way that she engages with that story is to say it's um you you've you've betrayed noticing in a certain way. Faye or Cusk Faye. Faye interesting.
0: I think that was a really good point of him saying that he's noticing it but also using it in his Mm -hmm. narrative of his divorce story and how unfair it was.
3: Yeah no it just it reminds me of what you said in the beginning about the objective versus subjective because noticing would seem to be more objective compared to interpretation which Mm -hmm. is the subjective. Yeah uh, but they're always
1: they're, they're always simultaneous and they're always And I think there's a a weird tension where, like, Faye is tired of the interpretation and yet is doing it all the way through.
0: Mm. But that's where she, sorry, reminds... uh us or me or you, someone. Or us. Of everyone. <laughs> no
2: one.
0: <laughs> of the Anne and the, like the Anne in the last chapter, mm. right, who suffers from this like mm. totally Baudelairean spleen mm. of like having seen it all before and now she's just like summarizing it in one word <laughs> and can't really stop it. And mm. yeah. And I felt like her because when I, thought about this book i liked the idea of the book more than the book itself Mm -hmm. and then i was starting to summarize it and (laughs) i like that more than the like the full experience and if Mm. i could just stop here and then this is enough
3: Mm. that could have to do with the font
2: (laughs) can i see yours is it the same yeah oh yeah you don't like
3: it's a sans serif or is it a lightly a light (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's,
2: it's the, the gentlest hint of a sourdough I think it
3: mm. <laughs> does make it a little I don't more like difficult
2: the <laughs> I don't care about the font that much but can we just say how... I really like
3: that observation
0: I don't read books in Tahoma i <laughs> so I can't I can't.
2: We can we just say
1: how beautiful the current editions of the books are it is are. gorgeous I mean this is a trilogy you want on your bookshelf you can put them face forward
0: it's like the Tao <laughs> Lin book we read oh yeah Richard, Richard a... Gates yeah, yeah.
1: that also, great idea to think about <laughs> great having <idea>. read. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, glad to have read it, mm-hmm. though reading it, oh, wow, that was so, uh, that was some work. <laughs> huh.
2: Interestingly, uh, I was just reading, I, I honestly don't know that much about Rachel Cusk, but I was just was reading the little bio at the beginning. In uh, 2015, her version of Eurip- Euripides' Medea was put on at the Alameda Theatre. So she is also a playwright. She's also a playwright. Hmm. She's, also- <laughs> <laughs> she's Anne Anne Faye. <laughs> oh, I definitely know, that's that know? Yeah, yeah. You know that vibe. And a Greek tragic play. Not that that Anne was just like a Faye that was embodied. Yeah. Uh, that it was like physical yeah. aggression rather than a mental one, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was a, it was a... Faye hungry for honey. <laughs> Literally so
2: readers.
0: Last mandatory question. Would you recommend... would you recommend oh, don't this stay with me. <laughs> 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 Makem, would you recommend this book? Um,
1: yeah, to some people. Yeah, I think
0: <laughs> to some people, that is so vague. To
1: um 17 people. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean like it's yeah. Uh I would have to get a vibe of the person. I don't know. It's got. It, what it reminded me a lot of was it was a version of Pond I liked more. Oh, okay. Because I didn't like Pond. No, but you really Pond, didn't. But Pond is. This good. is a
0: sad woman. <laughs> yeah. Was what you said.
1: It's a sad, yeah, but,
0: but like oh, I've man. never seen you so opinionated. Impor-
1: importantly, like it was just one sad woman. It wasn't like it wasn't like this. This one I feel like is um. It's more operationalized. It's got more access points to it. I like that more about it. Um, I didn't think, but Pond is good. It's just, I, I don't like it. Um, and This is uh, also good in a similar vein. And I think in a more, I was, it, I was won over by reading it. And so I think that if someone's in for like a kind of a, a very well crafted slow burn and like a project <laughs> where they could read three books over the rest of the year, then yeah, I would, I'd recommend that book.
0: I like your answer of the like, it depends on what people and I need to get the vibe and I can really see this conversation happening. I, <laughs> come and sit here. I need to feel. Uh,
1: well, actually, I literally <laughs> sold this book today to someone like, getting a vibe off uh, Sonja, one of the volunteers here. So, mm. uh, Question, what, what do you think the vibe is? Um, can someone who her? wants to ponder about something but not be horrified the whole time. <sighs> I'm usually like, you know, I really enjoy The Piano Teacher because I like the whole like feeling of horror most of the time. Hmm. And so if you're not into staring into the gaping abyss while you're pondering.
3: Huh, you know. Yeah, there's no abyss. Oh, I, mean, I I, I know. Disagree. maybe there's a little like there's something abyss like
2: almost more, almost darker to this, to be honest. All right. But yeah.
1: Oh.
2: But that's just because I'm a massive pessimist, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Would you recommend the book, though? Um, yeah, but probably qualified in the same way. <laughs> to some people. <laughs> yeah, as in, I can, I can definitely see why people would not enjoy this. I think it does kind of require you sort of buying into that central premise. Yeah. Um, if you don't, then there's no point in you reading this book. <laughs> You're just going to get annoyed. But I feel like if you can buy into that central premise, if you can sort of, if that sounds like something interesting, there is something... I think really interesting in it. I kind of had the vibe of. Do you have, I don't know if it's just me, but like when you're on an aeroplane. Actually, I think it's interesting that it <laughs> does take place. Like a lot. I think two, maybe all three, but at least two of them start or have some scenes on an aeroplane because it has that kind of weird feeling of being on an aeroplane, where you're just kind mm. of in this zone that mm. has very real rules, but at the same time you're just nothing, there's nothing to do. You can't really concentrate. You just feel completely in limbo. Yeah. And I kind of got that vibe from this. And I'm slightly addicted to that feeling, to be honest. So maybe yeah. that's why I, like, why I like it. Yeah,
1: that's actually a, maybe... That's a really strong part of the book. Is it makes you feel like that the whole time.
2: Yeah.
3: It's yeah. Interesting. I really don't like flying, so maybe <laughs> oh, that oh, explains my now
2: answer. We it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I necessarily enjoy, but sometimes that particular this, feeling. This I've is this doing. is the
1: end of your like all of your serious literary career. Just, like your criticism is gone now. I just don't like
2: flying. That's what What other books are ruined by flying? <laughs> That'd be
3: a good idea. Yeah, I, can't I don't think of know.
2: A single one, Sorry.
3: Well, I think I would. I would say the same, which is that I would recommend it for some.
2: Um, Go get the
1: vibe, though.
3: Yeah, I think maybe I don't know if I could pick out whether or not I thought I would love it. Actually, especially because I'm a real sucker for a good cover. Yeah, it's and a very good one. cover. <laughs>
2: it's,
3: a-
1: it's a conch <laughs> shell stuck in the sand, in a wonderful kind of like filmy sort of ah, <laughs> oh, it's just great and there's embossed lettering
3: and mine the... is and mine's
1: natasha by man ray
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the idea of it or the way that it's constructed as the series of dialogue or dialogues or monologues um i think is really very interesting and it's so well crafted but that's also what i think can can get to can get to one
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: Potentially. Um, yeah so I would say if you don't like things that are too pretty then maybe the book isn't for you but it is very pretty it is very pretty
0: <laughs> I have an answer to your question about books that are ruined by flying Nice. Uh, Atta by uh, Jared Kobe <laughs> <laughs> but that's also the whole premise of the book <laughs> it's about the 9-11 <laughs>
2: Well, sure, yeah. Yeah. That that would happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Extremely loud incredibly close. Um, (laughs) uh, Gio, how do you feel about this book? Who would you recommend it to? Everyone?
0: I don't know who I I recommend it to to my roommate, but I think it really depends on what people have read and what I know they are reading and probably as you as like what they're looking for and what they like. And Mm. I usually like... Would I recommend this to my mother or not? And I would not, uh, because she wants a good story. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> okay, but a better question maybe is, would you read volume two?
0: Yeah, uh, I would, but I'm not going to.
2: Mm. I, I have recommendations. If someone is about to start volume two stick with it because there is an awful lot of talk about skirting boards but once you get past that there's a great central <laughs> bit that takes place in a like a literary festival which is pretty fun
1: I was on the fence <laughs> until the skirting board talk and now I'm definitely <laughs> going to at some point I think I'm going to space them out though I don't want to I'm not going to do it all at once I'm going to like wait like a year you don't or want something. to cuss out
0: <laughs> Macon what are we reading next month?
1: Um. oh yeah well next month we're going to be reading uh, Orlando by Virginia Woolf so uh-huh. it's going to be fun
3: mm-hmm.
1: and
2: oh, are we watching the film as well because it's pretty
1: good it's got Tilda Swinton in there isn't it yeah.
3: it's also being it's uh, play. I'm seeing it tomorrow oh you are yeah
0: I really want to see it
1: so yeah I mean mm-hmm. it's all joining on Orlando <laughs> hype what about a hundred years later <laughs>
0: woo <laughs> <laughs> late to the party where is Orlando now <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put that out
1: and that's the end of the thing